This is Konzenshu, the podcast, episode 434, for the week of February 4th, 2018. What's up? Welcome back to Konzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Konzenshu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. My name is Mike. You may see me online as Vegito EX1. The four dudes running this here website at Konzenshu. Got a podcast coming in your ears this week. Actually, kind of one of our most standard episodes in a while. Uh, we have a little bit of an intro here. Then we got some uh, a couple little news tidbits to cover. Uh, then we have a great topic for you with a couple of people joining me and we'll talk about what's going on on the website and that's our episode i kind of that's everything i want this show to be we're going strong here in 2018 we're back to a weekly schedule as much as we can possibly do and we got great topics great conversations i'm very excited about what 2018 has to bring us here so uh what are we doing this here episode uh again i'm mike you're gonna hear from a couple other folks in a little bit you're gonna hear from jake herms here at consensu and then you're also gonna hear first time on the podcast but a longtime member of the extended consensu family one of our forum moderators, the Devil's Corpse. Chris is going to be joining us. We are talking this episode about a character that exists in Dragon Ball lore, has existed in Dragon Ball lore, never actually existed, though, in Dragon Ball lore, but will now exist in a slightly different context in Dragon Ball lore. I'll give you a couple seconds. Do you know who we're talking about? We are, in fact, talking about Few. Pronouncing it Few, you'll hear why. A character originally conceived for Dragon Ball Online, but was never used in Dragon Ball Online, making his grand return turn in the upcoming sixth pack in the extra packs of downloadable content for Dragon Ball Z Universe 2 that's going to be hitting this month. Bandai Namco has been teasing the character. We have a little bit of a reveal for him and we're going to chat him up. Where did he come from? How was he conceived? Uh, What was not done with him? What do we think will be done with this character? So stay tuned. Uh, Coming up after the news, uh, myself, Jake, and Chris will be talking about few Dragon Ball line, Dragon Ball Z Universe, a little bit of Dragon Ball Heroes thrown into the mix. Uh, So with that all said, we got a cool topic but we got some news let's cover that news right now A lot of people have been waiting on this. The second official soundtrack volume for Dragon Ball Super Volume 2 will be hitting this month. Actually, we have two CDs uh, slash sets coming out this month. At uh, the very end of the month, on February 28th, that Dragon Ball Super Original Soundtrack Volume 2 is the first of the two that will be coming out. It's going to be spanning 61 total tracks across two discs. A lot of background music that I, I guess people have been waiting for. Uh, stuff from the Future Trunks arc and stuff from the Universe Survival arc of Dragon Ball Super from Norihito Sumitomo's musical score to the aforementioned show. That'll be coming this month. In addition to that, we are getting a Dragon Ball Super Super Theme Song Collection. This is a single disc that'll span 12 tracks. Now, unfortunately, it's not really a complete theme song collection. What we're going to be getting here are the two opening themes, Chozetsu Dynamic and Limit Break Survivor. We're going to be getting, this is something that people have been waiting for, Ultimate Battle, the Tournament of Power insert song that we've had a few times, uh, sung by Akira and then we're going to be getting the first nine of the ending theme songs to Dragon Ball Super. We are not getting by a 70 centimeter square window and we are not getting Lacrima, uh, which is the 11th and current and as we know will be the final closing theme to the series. Now that 10th ending theme, that did actually already get a CD single release that came out back in October. So a little curious they're not including it here. Maybe it's space related, maybe it's contractually related. Uh, But that 11th ending theme, that's unfortunate. The CD single for 
Lagrima by One Pixel is coming out about a week after this super theme song collection. So if you're looking to get everything all in one shot, th this is not the product you're looking for. Maybe there will be a product like that. Maybe they can uh, kind of toss in those two other songs, beef it out a little bit. Maybe you'll get that complete super theme song collection. But that's not this. This is uh, 12 tracks getting the majority of what you're looking for. All the previous songs and those two other songs, everything has received an official release in some capacity, whether it's a CD single or included on a band's album, such as the collector's song. So it's not a case of stuff simply doesn't exist. It's just uh, weird timing for this release. I'm not entirely sure why they're doing it. Probably want to hit while the iron's hot as the show is coming to a close. So new CDs, they are all coming out on February 28th. Pre-orders are starting to go up. They initially went up first on CD Japan, and maybe by the time you hear this, you'll uh, see some listings on Amazon Japan. The other piece of big news from this last week is that Dragon Ball Fighters has shipped, not sold, shipped 2 million copies, including both physical and digital versions of the game. Uh, this is so much of an accomplishment that Bandai Namco put out a press release for it in Japanese, and they're saying this right as the game is coming out in Japan. They put out the press release on the Japanese release date, which was uh, February 1st. So uh, Fighters is on track to do really well worldwide. We'll, uh, of course, be following that. Uh, it's Japanese sales as we track those and some more worldwide sales uh, as they report those. Not a whole lot of news, but a couple interesting little tidbits there. So with that all said, it is now time to turn over to our topic. Myself, Jake, Chris, talking about few in Dragon Ball Online, Dragon Ball Universe, Dragon Ball Heroes. Enjoy, and uh, I'll talk to you on the flip side. This is one of those topics where it feels like it's always the right time to do it. And then literally the next day, it is not the right time to do it. Something new has just come out. We should wait a little bit longer. We have waited a little bit longer. And again, as we go to record, something new comes out for this character. Like, you know what? We just have to tear off the bandaid and just go with it at some point. We are here to talk about uh, a new old character, a new being used, unused character, something being dug up from the depths of the Dragon Ball Online grave site. Uh, uh, I have what I'm going to consider the two Dragon Ball Online historians because no one else is really doing it or has bothered to really do it. Other, I know folks are out there uh, doing their own revivals of the actual MMO itself, trying to get that running on private servers. And in terms of the documentation of it, um, you're, you're really talking to him right here. I remain Mike Vegito EX. Uh, Jake Herms is with us too. Hello, sir. Hello. You did some uh, early kind of like retranslation work, sort of kind of, for Dragon Ball Online. That was great. And then we got some extra amazing stuff direct from, I guess, one of the sources. There were so many Many sources. We'll talk about what some of those sources are. Uh, Chris, you may know him as the Devil's Corpse, one of uh, the moderators on our forum at Consentu. Welcome to the podcast for the first time. Yes, hello. Great to have everyone here to talk about a character that we know nothing about and we have nothing to say about him. So thanks, guys. That was a great topic. Yep. See you next time. Right. See ya. <laughs> da, da, da. I catch. Uh, so <laughs> why don't we kind of start at the beginning? We're going to be real brief with the, the background, the history here. But uh, Dragon Ball Online, uh, Chris, what what was it? It was a South Korean developed MMO by NTL, and it went after the end of the manga, because that's all they had the rights to, and it told an entirely new story for about 300 and some, or around 300 years in the future in age 1000. Featured a lot of new characters, a lot of old characters via time travel to the past, and that's that's about it. <laughs> and then it was gone. That was it. Yep. It made its way up through the Namek area, and 
it never even got to see Goku transform. Yeah, uh, it made its way to a couple other languages. They were always promising a Japanese release and never even got that Japanese release. I mean, some of the earliest info we got was in V-Jump itself in Japan. They were promoting it there. Uh, never got it. We got a, a couple Asian languages and uh, the Korean one came out there. We got some uh, other stuff that ran concurrently alongside it and some of them shut down before others. But then ultimately, even the Korean original shut down. And that was it. Dragon Ball Online came and went, and we we hardly knew ye. It has been mined for characters and lore uh, over the last few years, specifically in Xenoverse and Heroes. Uh, I guess why don't we we start there? What were some of the first elements we saw out of Dragon Ball Online that got reused elsewhere? That would have to have been the uh, surprise debut of Trunks in his Time Patrol outfit for the announcement of Xenoverse when we first learned what the heck that was. Then afterwards, we quickly transferred to seeing Toa and Mira. And then a lot of new areas like the... Uh, Tonkon City or something? Toki Toki City. Toki Toki. That's it. We got Toki Toki City and then the Time Nest. That filled a lot of speculation for a while on what we were, what exactly we were seeing because Dragon Ball Online, despite having these elements mentioned in the backstory and stuff, it never actually gave designs to any of these things. It was just Trunks kind of appeared from the future and everything else was told via his words. That's really fascinating how Dragon Ball Online kind of had a lot of stuff and had a lot of lore and some designs. And then Xenoverse came along and like referenced things and used some things and then took from it and went in its own direction while using that as the basis. I, I found that whole situation fascinating where like clearly we have all this lore and all this pre-production and who knows what was directly being used from what could have been the future of Dragon Ball Online and then as we moved into Xenoverse we're like well we got Mir and Toa we don't have Timebreaker Bardock but we have this new character Demigra I was like alright so they're they're taking it and kind of doing their own spin-off of it using it as a basis but really going in their own direction transfer to Xenoverse too like ah oh, no we better go back and, and use uh, the masked scion uh, it was bardock the whole time uh while also continuing to do their own new thing with toa and mira there how about dragon ball heroes that once again started with trunks and his time patrol outfit back in the end of the evil dragon mission mm. he appeared at the very end well in at least in the commercial i don't think he appeared in the missions itself but right. in the commercial he appeared uh to help face the four-star dragon and ironically enough alongside gt characters which uh fuel a lot of other canon debates that we don't want to get into right right as soon as the evil dragon mission wrapped up we transferred to a entirely new era for the god uh missions and that saw all the xenoverse and online stuff break wide open again we had uh, the Masked Scion again, and Toa, Mira, they all appeared. And then we even got a little bit more with their, well, usually called Timebreaker in relation to online. But in Heroes, it's just the Demon Army or mm-hmm. whatever variation you want to call it. But we got a lot of the subordinates like Shun Shun and Haru Haru. They, they didn't even have names in online. And so Heroes is actually expanding upon it even more just like xenoverse did you got general bone you got uh the sayakuman and the kyoakuman i think Mm -hmm. i don't know that's right they're they're the basically the same two characters just 
palette swaps. We got a lot of that stuff, and eventually the God Mission built up to a confrontation with Demigrod, just like in Xenoverse, but different continuities, different paths, same story. Well, why don't we start just briefly, because this is going to transition into the character that we will ultimately talk about, uh, Mira and Toa. What was their original story in the online universe, uh, and how did that change a little bit as we transitioned? I guess let's specifically talk about Xenoverse here. Online started off with a lot of promotional material, just, you know, starting discussing the Pale Man, who we eventually learned is Mira. And then afterwards, in like the backroom meetings where they were, you know, discussing and promoting this to the people in charge behind the scenes, they had reveals of uh, Mira and Toa together. But the players themselves wouldn't actually learn about her until after the initial set of four time patrol missions in mm-hmm. online, which... Ended with Mira presumably getting killed by Bardock's sacrificial explosion. You get the big old puff of smoke and everyone thinks he's dead. And right. then afterwards, uh, at the very end of the mission, they don't even let you believe it for that long. But as soon as the credit, <laughs> as soon as the credits roll, you get a little glimpse of, uh, Mira still standing there. And you're like, okay, so there's more story to come. But then comes the next set of time quests and you're introduced to Toa, and she's running uh, her own set of missions on Namek. Apparently, she still thinks Mira's dead, so a lot of the stuff seems a little less integrated than what later stories would do. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be quite as close yet. We'll get to it in the future. They seem to get a lot closer, by, or at least intended to be, by the end of that game's story, which we never got to. Okay. And then for Heroes, it's basically a lot of the same thing. Toa and Mira started off working together. All the promotional material blurbs all said the same thing. Toa was a brilliant scientist. She abandoned Makai to work with Mira and... Eventually, you get a lot of the same stuff where it just it's repeated. They don't go through and get too creative with the stories, but they end up working together. And so, what about their relationship? Because uh, it seems to be a complicated one in terms of uh, being lovers slash being someone's creation. Uh, how does that all shake out in the original material versus what uh, we got in Xenoverse? The relationship is actually not really alluded to very much in the original. I I presume that's something they were going to get to, mm-hmm. but seeing how she assumed that he was still dead, I. I don't, and she didn't seem to care either. She was, (laughs) she was still very much just going about making frogs giant and making Zarbon giant. (laughs) All right. Powering up Frieza's tail for other people to eat. And (laughs) she, she she didn't seem like she had much to care about. All right, then. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So then uh, what else did we get out of that as we transitioned into Xenoverse? I mean, obviously, people have played the games, maybe slash haven't played the games. We are going in full spoiler. I mean, we're a couple of years out from Xenoverse 2 at this point. So all's fair right here. Xenoverse saw this eh, basically the same type of situation at first. I mean, they seemed like they had at least a decent relationship in the first game. Mira came in and was uh, her creation. She was very proud of him. She was always ranting about, I don't want you to destroy my mirror. You can't destroy my mirror. He's the most powerful, whatever. And then we destroy him. And at the end of the story, uh, she goes, seeks his core out, and you basically get a tease that they're going to recreate him for the next game, which Mm -hmm. they did. Right. And then 
the second game saw arguably a more complicated relationship once you go through it, because the interactions during the main story are about the same as the first games. Not much seemed to have changed. Right. Once you get to the climax, Mir ends up breaking the limiter of his power, starts going on a little bit of a rampage, I guess, do a scion genetic or genetics, and defeated Bardock prior to that, and I guess that got his blood boiling, and he decided he wanted to start improving himself and increasing his own power and having the same kind of shonen increases that everyone else was getting. So he turned on uh, Toa and absorbed her. We end up defeating the combination of them, and that's that's where we're left at. Going through the uh, alternate second story, with there's two different endings depending on whether you defeat them in time or not. Mm-hmm. And one where you defeat them without Goku's help may potentially see an altered dynamic between them. It seems like he apologizes to Toa and may even release her from the explosion. There's a little glimmer before he blows up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's all speculation. But we're going to get Xenoverse 3, and I'm presuming they're going to have to bring him back somehow. So, All right, well, that was a good refresher for me because I haven't played the story <laughs> since it first came out. So we, we get this basis for who these characters are. So now let's talk about the actual subject of our discussion. I don't know how long it's going to be, but we're, we're tying it into what Bandai Namco has decided they want to do. And it's this new character, Foo, or Few, perhaps. Uh, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about what exists for this character in some of the uh, documentation that you have. Okay, so by more or less random chance, a few years ago I happened to be in Taiwan and happened to go to this particular bookstore where they happened to have the official Taiwanese guide to Dragon Ball Online. And so I picked it up and... As part of it, it has detailing the backstory of the game on page 222 to 223. It has these bios on Mira Towa and what in Taiwanese is pronounced as uh, Fu. And so, as you were kind of saying, with the relationship between Mira and Towa, according to this, in this version of events, it says that Mira was actually made by humanity, uh, Renlei, which I maybe is either people from Earth or maybe just, you know, the kind of generic humanoid. <laughs> so made by Ningen. Okay. I mean, yeah, so made by, essentially made by someone other than Toa. And it just says like, so it's not specified who exactly made him, but he and Toa eventually meet. And then after that, they start working together. So yeah, they're, they're in this version, they're not a creator and creation. They're just like two associates. And in this version as well, Toa is still from the demon realm. She was a brilliant scientist researching magic. And yes, she betrays the demon realm after meeting Toa. I mean, after meeting Mira. And yeah, so that's their backstory. And then it also has, again, uh, Fu in this version, who it says is the child of Mira and Toa. And it, it's this little baby who looks more than a little bit like baby trunks, right down to having kind of weird hat thing right. with the points on it for some reason. And anyway, the very evil looking purple baby. And yeah, so it's child of Mira and Toa and says there's many mysteries about this guy, but he's inherited Mira's uh, tremendous power and he's like gradually awakening to it. And it's like in the future, he will be, he will have a big influence on the universe. And that's it, right? Chris, this never... This character never actually appeared in Dragon Ball Online when it was running. No, it, he never appeared at all. And it's it was actually quite surprising when 
Herms pulled this up and was like, oh, they had a kid. <laughs> I mean, this seemed to be the thing for online where they did so much lore creation that they, they were just bursting to kind of get it out there. Like, well, we have all this stuff. We might as well write a little blurb. Yeah, here's some character artwork, whatever. Uh, curious that they never used this character, but it turns out they are, in fact, going to use this character. Uh, they have been teasing some things in Xenoverse 2 for a while. Uh, if you go back to the very first reveal of the additional DLC for the game. So just as a recap, uh, there were four paid DLC packs, downloadable content, additional content for the game that was covered by the game's season pass. Uh, those four packs came out and it seemed like, all right, it was done. They supported the game for a while and, you know, still do some raids and some other stuff. Eh, that, that was it. Uh, it. Turns out they weren't done supporting the game. They did, uh, and they're actually still doing it right now. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, two additional paid DLC packs for the game. The first one came out uh, already, had some extra playable characters in there. Uh, and the next one is going to be coming out relatively soon here. Uh, and this is someone they revealed for it. Jake, uh, let's go back to these V-Jump reveals. Uh, the first one from a couple months ago, no character name there, but it seemed pretty clear who we were getting, right? Yeah, so they just call him Mysterious Youth. It seems like they're always going for the Trunks connection. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so it just notes that he's got a ninja sword and glasses, and he looks kind of evil, but we don't... Like, who could he really be? And yeah, that's essentially all we do, just teasing this character. After, and yeah, it asks, is he going to be... Is he a friend or foe? And then, I guess, if the next month or whenever, they the most recent the actual reveal, and they say his name is Few. Which is, in Japanese, this is pronounced, um, well, essentially, it's the same as in uh, fusion. Like, mm -hmm. how they write the English word fusion, like with the dance, that thing. And also, it's how they write the English word future. Mm -hmm. So, few. And, I mean, literally, it says his name is few. And, um, yeah, it's like, oh, this guy from that we revealed in the last issue. Uh, it says, like, he's researching the energy that is generated when history is changed. And it again asks if he's a friend or foe. And essentially, that seems like pretty much it, really. So, <laughs> again, here we are uh, on the cusp of something else from the depths of Dragon Ball Online's production being brought back to the forefront here. Chris, what do you think about this? It, it, it's I, I thought we were done with online in terms of everything we were getting, especially the way Heroes was going. They seemed like they figured out what they wanted to do with the whole Demon Army thing. They got their other characters and they're good, but seems like Xenoverse over here is like, nah, nah, we're good over this way. We're going to bring this in. I don't, I honestly don't think we're quite done at all. If you go into the files for online Online. This is where things get complicated because uh, Mechikabura, the leader of the Demon Army, his castle actually has images used from online. Mm -hmm. Like the castle, the castle that he uses in all the modern material, the manga, the the games, all that stuff. Those files are in the game. In the original Dragon Ball Online game. In online. Wow. I'm not sure if they're still continuing to just recycle things and give them a new purpose. Or if they're, you know, circling back around to use things that they actually originally planned to use, hmm. we're never going to know. <laughs> right, right. So do you think we have kind of a blank slate character for them to use? Or do you think they had uh, something pretty set for few here? It seems like, all right, future related character. Uh, Jacob, you were kind of 
alluding to all the the Trunks connections, just from his uh, his original baby look to the the specific phrases they're using to describe him uh, here for the Xenoverse reveal. Uh, what do you two think we're gonna get out of this character? I think here you fight him at first, and then eventually here join your side. You think he's gonna be a good guy? I'm basing this on nothing other than well, sure. I don't know. I it would be kind of weird for them to tease the whole oh is he a friend or foe if he just turned out to be an enemy and nothing else. I'm gonna go the opposite route. Okay, so someone's gonna be right. They really released the screen uh shots of few a while back for the upcoming dlc and right. he was he was very friendly with you know trunks and all the time patrollers but if they're teasing that he's friend or foe he's probably gonna do a heel turn at some point and delving back to something we haven't mentioned yet he actually is appearing at the end of the recent ultra charisma mission Mm-hmm. chapter i guess let's talk about that let's separate them out so there are two super dragon ball heroes manga series that run in psycho jump there's i guess let's consider it the main one dark demon realm mission uh that's been going for a little over a year not quite a year no because it's bi-monthly so like it it feels like it's shorter than it's been going for a while now uh the first collected volume of that came out last year the first five chapters still going every other month separate from that the charisma mission series is actually a continuation of what the author had done before dark demon realm mission even existed it's it's kind of like their own mascot characters describing the game, talking about the game. It's very slapsticky, and its story isn't a part of the serialized Dark Demon Realm mission. It's just think of it as just a side fun thing. It's usually like three or four pages. Yeah, at the end of the chapter, I, most of the series is obviously a gag, but it seems like at the end the mascots are looking into the game because that's what the author said that uh the dark demon realm mission manga was supposed to be mm-hmm. was that you're looking at the story as if they were watching it in the game itself mm, yeah it looks like they're looking ahead to the future of content they'll be getting so with his twisted little smile smirk at the end of that chapter i think he's going to be responsible for whatever happens in xenoverse and probably for the uh, prison planet arc material in the next heroes chapter. I'm pretty sure he's going to end up being a villain. I mean, the connection there would be uh, number 21. We got the same kind of yeah. villain or foe. And the the very first initial preview video that we got was from very early in that story mode where it doesn't seem like it, but you know, how that goes. So, all right. So if I have to be the tiebreaker here, I think he's going to be uh, a villain as well. All right. So, you know, what is fascinating me the most is that we're, we're still in Xenoverse two territory here. They're still supporting it. And not just that we're getting, Oh, here's another movie villain to play as that. They're pulling few in here as kind of like main scenario story material strikes me as a bit odd that they're not just saving that as the story for Xenoverse 3, which of course we're going to get. Xenoverse 1 and 2 have done very well. Fighters is doing well too, but you know they're going to keep these two series running concurrently. Why do you think they're they're doing that now instead of just holding on to them? That guess is as good as any, honestly. they uh, I guess they really want to try to keep an audience retained for the upcoming game. For that and game? Yeah. If, if, they're go- if they're going to start alternating between different titles every year. Mm-hmm. I guess you got to keep interest. So, I mean, seems like as good a way to do it as any. I mean, how, how honestly, how interested are people going to be if it's just, oh, you're going to be able to play as Super 13 for, right. you know, the next four months until you get Garlic Jr., 
I mean, you've already had these characters in previous games, and while I wouldn't complain about having them, they're not really going to draw interest like you know new characters would. All right, let's let's do a almost like a backdoor pilot for Xenoverse Three. It's like we're gonna bring them in here and kind of set things up, and maybe it won't be a significant story, but just enough to really give you that that main big tease for what that next game is gonna be. It's like in when they had a uh, Kingdom Hearts One Point Five or whatever, where they have Xemnas as an optional boss, the main guy from uh, Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, essentially just, you know, just using that as a way of uh, a teaser for the main story of the next game. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty smart. So, again, I don't know how much more there is to say about it, but uh, I, I wanted to at least provide the background for who this character is. It's not just a completely new, out-of-the-blue character. Uh, there is precedent for this character. What do we think about the the redesign? Or is it even a redesign? Maybe this was the plan for Dragon Ball Online. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly this is isn't the same this is like the grown-up version and what we had before is only the baby so and also again the fact that the baby version looks a bit like baby trunks and the grown-up version looks a little bit like uh grown-up future trunks Mm -hmm. with with the sword and the way they talk about him like i wouldn't be surprised if they that was the plan from all along was to have a grown-up version appear especially because the um bio from the taiwanese guidebook is like in the future here be real important and he's only you know just beginning to grow into his power so it seems like they were always planning on having him his grown form in one way or another feature into the story i I think he's going to be evil i think he's going to be the evil time traveling counterpart to trunks i think that's probably what they're going for here yeah, I agree. They probably, I don't know if they had a design set similar to, you know, the Time Kaioshin and all that stuff yeah. for Xenoverse the first time, but I wouldn't have been surprised if as the game went along, they continued to, you know, flesh out the story and eventually provide him a design if he was going to appear. All right. That's all I got. Anything else you guys want to add to the discussion here? I mean, we kind of talked about this already, but again, just on the pronunciation issue. Yeah, sure. Because there was a while there where um, he his name was revealed when the Xenoverse version was unveiled. Mm-hmm. Like we found out his name in English and didn't have a, a Japanese spelling for a while. So it's kind of ambiguous, like how to pronounce the letters F-U. It kind of ties into, like I mentioned, there's a difference between how his name is pronounced in Taiwanese versus Japanese. Because, so Taiwanese, well not Taiwanese, Mandarin Chinese, which is what they use on Taiwan. And uh, it's a little different than what they use in mainland China, but it's more or less the same language. Um, It's not like Japanese where they have like an entire alphabet uh, set aside to use for foreign words. Instead, they can only uh, use Chinese characters to write uh, foreign names. And so like with a few in Taiwanese, they use the the character for husband just because it's like the closest approximation. Mm. So if you hear that, that's uh, just the Chinese pronunciation of that character. And this is a little bit different than what we eventually got for the Japanese pronunciation, where it's more like few, which is presumably because his name is a pun on the word future, because Mira is from the Japanese word for future Mirai, and Towa is from a word for eternity. So while there's no official confirmation on that being where his name comes from, yeah, it's it all pretty clear. fits together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, would this be exactly the same as Mew from Mutant, the way that that's uh, spelled in Japanese in, in Kana? Yeah, it's the same the same, same thing where if, like, if you directly romanize it, it's M-Y-U-U, mm-hmm. like with an elongated vowel at the end. And similar, this was F-Y-U, elongated vowel. I was going to say, what do you call the, the little Kana in between that? modifies it the um uh, cho on mark like literally like 
the long sound thing. Gotcha. Yep. So we're going to call him Few from here on out because it seems like uh, it's very clear. I mean, I guess we could have done that all along, but all we had, like you said, all we had to go on was the uh, Taiwanese writing. So it's like, uh. Yeah, for a while there. And I mean, I guess there's no uh, Korean spelling, right? No, he, he never appeared at all. So there was absolutely nothing to go on for that. And I mean, um, I guess we still don't know what here, how they're pronounced it in the just English voice acting for the game. In the dub. Yeah, yeah. Right. I guess there would be for that. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Well, you heard her here first uh, or perhaps second or third. I don't know where you've heard discussion about this character, but we're talking about few and uh, that's how we're going to pronounce his name. So uh, Jake, Chris, thank you so much for, for joining here to talk about this character that we know almost nothing about. And yet we still managed to have a, conversation for half an hour thanks to the dudes for joining me there talking about few that pack for dragon ball Xenoverse 2 will be hitting this month that extra pack number two uh, that'll include him as a character uh, in the story very curious to see how that's going to shake out there so we hit you with some news hit you with the topic what else do we have going on on consensu right now uh well we have been keeping up daily at least weekday daily with uh the official dragon ball website their nearly complete works of akira toriyama you've heard us talk about this for a couple of weeks now uh monday through friday each day they're putting up some kind kind of little thing, whether it's a drawing or a character sketch or an interview, just a citation of something and they give you a little description. And we are doing our damnedest to go above and beyond what they have. Uh, of course, translate anything there is to translate there if we haven't already translated it, like one of the interviews they shared before. We're just really enjoying this. This is uh, a, a chance. It's one of those loose associations that we get to dive into some of the stuff we've already done, such as all of Toriyama's weekly Dr. Slump comments that Julian translated. Uh, those don't really fit on Konzenshu, but when they are coming from the official Dragon Ball website in Japan and there's talk about Dr. Sl- I guess we can reference some of that stuff. So we're having a good time with that. So again, check that Monday through Friday. We're going to try to keep up with it as best we can. Some of the fun ones from this last week. Uh, of course, the aforementioned Dr. Slump. This actually wasn't Dr. Slump. This was uh, a prototype work, a rejected prototype work, which eventually morphed into Dr. Slump. That was work number 15. We had a little four panel Momotaro. Uh, parody strip comic thing. Perhaps most relevant to Dragon Ball was when they put up the chapter 187 title page from the Dragon Ball manga. Uh, there are some things in there about, about how the title page had a typo on it and how that was corrected in all subsequent publications and how they didn't seem to mention that on the official write-up on the website. Uh, seems like something you could very easily know. Maybe they didn't realize it. But that just gives us a great opportunity to uh, share some of the things we've noted over the years. Some of the stuff that's kind of buried deep in our various guys like the manga guide, all the individual chapter pages, lots of cool stuff in there. And when they happen to talk about something, well, we can happen to talk about something too. And just all these fun little citations. We're enjoying that. So check that out. Uh, again, Monday through Friday, we're updating that on the homepage of our website. We have it tagged with the nearly complete works of Akira Toriyama. So click the little category tag for that. You can read them all there. That's what's going on. You know, Super's coming to a close. We got some really awesome stuff in store for you on uh, Konsenshu in general over the coming months. What can you look forward to on the podcast specifically? in February. Uh, coming up soon, we will be doing our first impressions on the final retail release of Dragon Ball Fighters. Kieran will be joining me. That'll be fun. We will be doing the next installment of our Dragon Ball GT review of awesomeness. That is on track for kind of like mid-late February, so it'll be about a month out from the past release. Uh, we looked it up. We will be doing five episodes on that next review. So that would be episodes 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Those would be the GT episodes we'll be covering. So if you're playing along at home, that's what you want to pop 
pop in and review. Uh, otherwise, you know, surprises, cool stuff coming up on the podcast in the near future. So www.kanzenshuu.com. That is our website. You can see links to all the various things, all the social medias, all the places we are, our forum, all that good stuff. Uh, so for Heath, Julie, and Jake, the folks that run the site with me here, uh, and our extended family that continue to join us and have fun on the podcast here. Uh, again, I'm Mike. I'll see you next time. Have a good week. Happy February. Peace out. Peace out.